church mission? Yes, this will be part five. But I, I kind of want to, before we get on today's message, and we'll see how far we get because I um, want to touch on a couple of things that I spoke on last week. One was during service and the other one was after service uh, when Carl asked the question. So the first thing is in reference to uh, pastors getting paid, right? So, yeah, I rewatched the video and it, and it could be, make it seem like that I'm saying that pastors can't get paid or don't deserve to get paid, but that's not true, right? So the problem comes in when pastors, or any ministers, try to take advantage of the church, right? In the, in the sense of put a strain on the church. And I say that because, uh, and I might have said this before, I don't remember, but I was part of a church one time, and then it's like, all the time, the pastor kept asking for a raise. All the time. Sometimes, twice in a year. And he worked. And I said, no, something's wrong with that. <laughs> and then, you know, everybody would approve it, but I'm the one that voted against it. So obviously, I appeared to be the black sheep, but, you know, it just became too much. And it wasn't the church couldn't afford it. The church couldn't afford it. But there was no need to continue to ask for a raise like that that many times, right? But real quick, so just um, let's go to uh, 1 Timothy. Just go through some scriptures here in reference to the pastors getting paid. There's not no segue about me getting paid. I, I just want to clarify some things. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. I'll probably read all of them. Well, I'm going to read all three in the. Uh, actually, I'm going to save time. I'll, I'll read it in the uh, I'll read both. King James and Amplified, but 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. I'll read it from Amplified. Alright. Verse 17. The elders who perform their leadership duties well are to be considered worthy of double honor, financial support especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching the word of God concerning eternal salvation through Christ. For the scripture says, You should not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain to keep it from eating, and the worker is worthy of his wages. He deserves fair compensation. So, you know, someone as ministering the Lord does deserve, you know, fair compensation, right? And again, problem comes in not just when pastors or ministers take advantage of it, church that may not be able to financially afford something, but it's also even with these mega ministries as well, right, because, you know, some of us have, have been guilty of it, sent, sent money in, right, and all that, all these millions of dollars they have is not coming from book sales, right, but it's coming from paychecks of Christians, right, and, and we're to give and we're to sow, you know, there's nothing wrong with blessing a man or woman of God. In that aspect, and it doesn't always have to be money, you know, but again, we don't want to get too caught up in it because, you know, Paul made sure that he wasn't a burden on those churches because Paul didn't just come into church and then just stay there for a little bit and then go. No, sometimes he stayed there for a year and a half, sometimes three years, right? He didn't want to put a burden on the churches like that, okay? Let's look at uh, Galatians 6.6.
Galatians 6, 6, and I read again from Amplified. The one who is taught the word of God is to share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his spiritual and material support. Amen. I had another scripture, but I'm not going to read it just for time's sake because I got something else I want to go to too. But basically, I don't want us thinking that because I say what I say sometimes that, you know, pastors and things, pastors and things, pastors and ministers, you know, are not worthy to, to be paid. All right, because sometimes, you know, truth be told, pastors, especially full-time pastors, don't get paid enough most of the time. Those who are fair and those who are honest. All right, I have a friend of mine, he retired from full-time pastoring. He was asked by another church to come in and intern, and they're paying him. They're not paying him a whole lot of money, but he's doing it because that's what he's called to do. That's what he felt led to do. So it wasn't about the money. Amen. Alright, so the other thing was this, in, um, in which we discussed after uh, the video, but, um, you know, clarifying our prayers that, you know, God is God, and God will answer our prayers and honor our prayers, right? The issue comes in, we got to discern from our needs in comparison to our wants, right? Because in today's time, we're praying our wants because that's what we're told to do, you know, by certain people. We're told to pray for our wants. But God in his word will honor us from our needs, the things that we need. You know, it's not necessary from our wants. So let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 11. shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Verse 8. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. We'll start right there. But the rest of the verses, we're all familiar with this, these verses here. Ask, seek, and not. Right? So, I don't have to go over that. But, you know, when we're in need of something, right? You know, God God is still, he's God, but he's a provider. Right? So, even the fact that he knows our needs. You know, I think I said this last week. He knows our needs before we even ask him. You know, and but sometimes we get into worry, we get into fear, no matter what we go through. God knows it before we even go through, right? And He's there. So regardless of what the situation is, regardless of what the financial needs, sickness, whatever it is, God knows. And you know, if it's something that we're in need of, He will supply our need according to the riches and glory, right? So again, He will answer our prayers, right? Because that's in His Word. Right? So we're to be persistent in that. So even the fact that we're in need, so sometimes we may want something, so even let's take a reference to a job. right? So even when I was in Connecticut, and I wanted to go be a police officer, well, I wanted to be in Connecticut State Troop. So I was praying, and I would see other people get selected, and I'm like, I know I'm more qualified than they are. 
that's my mindset. Because <laughs> I, I work with some of these people even in corrections. I'm like, how did that happen? But I would get frustrated again. But that was a want. That wasn't a need. Right? And eventually, God answered my prayer to bring me through New Haven Police Department. And then once I got there, I realized why. He shut the door for the state trooper and why he had me in New Haven. And that was the best time. And then I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't go get selected for the Connecticut State Police. Right? But the job wasn't one, but God needed me somewhere else. Understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So that's where we so even the job at the warehouse that y'all don't hear me talk about a bunch of times where I complained and moaned I moaned about it. He needed me there. He needed me there to to talk to some people, to witness some people, and to be a friend to some people. Right? Even though I didn't want to go there, or I didn't, well, not, I didn't want to go there initially, but I didn't want to stay there, right? But he needed me there, right? So, ultimately, we have needs, yes, and we do have wants, right? And there's some things we can desire that, yeah, he may give us, right? But when it comes to our needs, he will supply those needs, right? And then sometimes, his needs are going to override our needs, and our because you know, we may want to stay here. He may need us in another country somewhere, right? And we may not want to go, but we got to go where he needs us to. Amen? Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. All right. I just want to clear that up. All right. So let's come <laughs> Let's uh, come back to today. And uh, we'll see. I have some high points in this. I won't go through all of this. But, you know, uh, we were talking about, we've been talking about the church's mission, and then this is part five, and we'll continue on. The lines are to be like Jesus. And I just wanted to talk about this. I hinted at this. I, well, not hinted. I did mention it. I think a couple weeks ago where I talked about Jesus being normal. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus being normal. So if I say religious or hyper-spiritual, I'm really grouping them in the same. If I need to differentiate, I'll, I'll do that. But I'm grouping them in the same because really they may act different, but they're one in the same. Right? Um, and I say the same because we're going to get into what Jesus came to do and, and what we should be doing, teaching, preaching, and healing. But sometimes when it comes to healing and the signs and the wonders, we can get off. And we can start to get, I guess, hyper-spiritual to where Jesus never intended us to go. What separated Jesus, you know, really, and y'all heard me say, uh, I think when we started, it's about John the Baptist, about John the Baptist being strange. But, John the Baptist and Jesus came preaching the same message, but they just came in two different styles. John the Baptist was stationary, Jesus was mobile, but they both preached the same message, right? Which was repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Alright, so let's look at let's let's look at Jesus here. Let's go to let's see where I want to go You know, we see in scriptures about his family. Let's, let's go to uh let's let's go to Mark chapter three. talk about Jesus, we may talk a little bit about Paul. You know, Jesus really only showed his glory to three men, Peter, James, and John. Right? And, and, and in John, he says, you know, if all his works that he did was written down, the world wouldn't be able to contain it. Right? But what we have to understand, Jesus didn't always go around just healing 
everybody and walking on water all the time. Right? But he taught. Because y'all heard me say before that his main thing was also was teaching. The healing came to bring glory to the Father. And we'll, we'll get into that in a couple of weeks here. But, you know, we can see, we know that the religious leaders came after him. Right? But we know he had a huge following. Right? Thousands of people followed him. So, how many of us would follow a crazy person? Not many of us, right? Someone that's off, someone that's not talking right. Jesus didn't say anything strange. Jesus, he, he spoke the law, right? And he just made brought some new revelation with things. But even as we speak revelation even to today, it should always match up with the Word. Word of God, right? We can't come up with something and then go all off kilter with it, right? So, let's look at... Uh, Then the multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Now, some translations have his family, right? So, when we first read this, we would think, oh, that's Mary, that's his brothers, and that's his sisters, right? But that can't be them, because uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm jumping ahead of myself, sorry. But we can see why some people, especially his family members, because he also says that a prophet is not welcome or honored in his own home, right? Because Jesus was different. Jesus was different, so we can see some family members. What we have to understand is Jesus had cousins. John the Baptist was a cousin, right? He had cousins that all just not named in the Bible, right? So let me, uh, before I go further, look down at verse 31. So actually, no, stay there. I'm going to keep reading so we can see that Jesus stayed here and didn't move anywhere. All right, verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the rule of the demons he casts out demons. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself, and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Verse 28, Assuredly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes the, against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Because they said he has an unclean spirit. So we can stop right there. We can see he didn't go nowhere. And we can see in verse 21 that it says family tried to grab him. Right? So reason why I said that's not Mary and his brothers, look at verse 31. Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. So we all familiar with the rest of that. Right? But they showed up later. Right? Probably because some other family members were coming to him and said, but why would they think that? Because he's normal. So, if, let's take Marie. <laughs> we use Marie as an example. If, if Marie's walking around, her family, oh, just going around, she's having a huge following, she's got disciples following her, but she's, you know, she's praying over people, she's healing people, people are getting healed, getting prayers answered, she's feeding thousands of people, her family might think she's off her rock. Because they're still going to see her as Marie. Right? And, and this is how Jesus' family saw him. They saw him as normal. 
Why? They saw him as the carpenter's son. Right? They saw him as Mary's son. They didn't see him as some weirdo. Right? The issue, nobody could deny the miracles that Jesus did. Because they witnessed it, including his brothers. So let's go to uh, John. John chapter 7. Jesus, we're going to John chapter 7 again. Here you have Jesus, who once they know him as the carpenter's son, as a carpenter himself, so he gives up carpentry and goes into ministry full time. Now all of a sudden, he goes from nobody following him to thousands of people following him. So they're going to think he's strange. <laughs> they're going to think something's different, but he was still normal because they're trying to figure out why all these people follow him. The issue that people had was they didn't accept him as a Messiah. Again, nobody could deny the miracles. They witnessed the miracles. All right. And Jesus, again, was human. All right, so John chapter 7, beginning at verse 3. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou doest these things, show thyself to the world, for neither did his brethren believe in him. So, again, his brethren was aware. We look at verse 3. Depart hence and go into uh, Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. So, they saw the works. They couldn't deny the works that he was doing. But what they didn't believe in was him being the Messiah. So, again, even the religious leaders. So, you know, we... Y'all hear me talk a lot, and, we're, and we're, we all said it, and we all think it, that even all the religious leaders came after Jesus, right? You know, but that's not true, because Nicodemus came to him at night. Nicodemus acknowledged Jesus as a teacher. Now, let me ask you this. How many of us would actually have a lunatic in our house to eat? How, you know, how, how many of us would, would actually invite somebody... That's a lunatic to eat in the house, right? We, the most common person in general, say to unsay, wouldn't do that, right? So, we know the religious leaders were who they were. So let's look at, let's look at Luke chapter thirteen. No, not, not not Luke thirteen. I'll come back to that. Luke seven. Luke seven. Chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. Sat at the table 
in the Pharisee's house, bought an alabaster flask of fra fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet, and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So we know that, remember, 40. So Jesus, he came to do what? He came to be with sinners, right? He came to save sinners. He hung out with fishermen. He hung out with tax collectors who were hated back then. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with people who were actually banned from being in public. Those who were suffering from leprosy and other illnesses. Even with the woman with the issue of blood, she shouldn't have touched him. Right? According to the law, she shouldn't have touched him. She shouldn't have even been in the crowd. But he hung out with these people, and he loved them. Alright? So now we, we, uh, we see the Pharisee talking to himself. Verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon. So now Jesus is on a first name basis with this Pharisee. So obviously there's some sort of relationship there for him to know his name. I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. So now the Pharisees acknowledging Jesus as a teacher. So again, so Jesus is not some wacko for the religious leader to acknowledge him. So now we can't get so caught up and, and way off and so hyper-spiritual even when we see miracles taking place to where nobody can relate to us. Alright, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor and had two debtors one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them. Tell me, forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered the house. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, you don't have to turn it, but Luke 14 and 1 says this, Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they washed them closely. So basically, two, at least two different Pharisees invited them to their house to eat. All right. Now, let's turn to Luke chapter 13. See, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. Right? Amen. So we can't appear to be strange, even if we're at work, people can't view us as strange. Right? Because Jesus was normal. He ate, he slept, he drank. Yes, he was a miracle worker, but he was also normal. Right? So we, we gotta be normal as well. Alright, so Luke chapter 13, verse 31. On that very day, some Pharisees came, saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. So now, look, the Pharisees are actually looking out for him. 
so we, cause we, we sometimes get in the habit and think that basically all the Pharisees were out to get Jesus, but no. Here they are. They're looking out for him. And he said to them, Go, tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. So at this point, I didn't read all of it at the beginning, but Jesus was not in Jerusalem yet. Right? So even though the fact that Herod was trying to kill him, guess what? The Pharisees were looking out for him. Why? They wouldn't do that to a crazy person. Right? They're going to do that to somebody that they respect, somebody that they care for. Because we see it all the time with some of these Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, they didn't care for a lot of people. Right? These did. And then we read in Acts, as we went through Acts, Acts chapter 5, there was Pharisees that got saved and born again. So, Jesus showed emotion. Let's go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Understand, see, because sometimes we will see religious people, hyper spirit, however, again, one of the same. Sometimes, or Christians in general, that fail to show any emotions, right? And even these healing evangelists and faith talking evangelists, they'll they'll act like they become emotionless, and they're saying, you know, Jesus is this, Jesus is that, so we don't have to be upset, things like that. I mean, no. Jesus was 100% man again, right? And 100% God. Jesus showed emotion. Jesus cared. All right. We're familiar with this, this uh, chapter here. All right, verse 32, John chapter 11. Jesus didn't, uh, then, I'm sorry, that was my notes. <laughs> then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his in the spirit and was troubled. He groaned in the spirit. So that word groan there actually means angry. Why would Jesus be angry? We how many of us know that Jesus had a relationship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? He cared for them deeply. Scriptures say he loved them. Right? So they know, Mary knows that if Jesus had been there. Lazarus would still be alive. Because there's no way he would allow Lazarus to die. Because he had that relationship with him. Right? But why is he angry? Because he's looking at it because, yes, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus up. But he's angry because of the fact that he sees the people that he cares for, they're upset. They're weeping. They're crying. Right? He already told them. He already told Mary, Mary and Martha. He's going to raise them. But they're not seeing it that way. Why? Because death was never supposed to come here. Death was never supposed to be here on earth. But because of Adam's sin, death came. So ultimately, that's why he's angry. Right? Alright? So he was troubled. Right? So Jesus is troubled. So we say sometimes that as Christians, we got to be superhuman. We can't be in fear. 
We can't let anything bother us. But here it says Jesus is trouble. So, just so you know, I'm going to give you the, the Greek word for Basically, if you Google G5015, it'll bring up that Greek word. For those that don't know. All right. So it means to agitate, to trouble. So you remember the, um, to, to disturb. Remember when the uh, impotent man that was by the, uh, the water, the lake, and then he said I had nobody to put me in because every time the water got disturbed, right? So it was becoming agitated. Here Jesus is becoming troubled and agitated, right? It also means to disquiet, to stir up, to trouble, to strike one's spirit with fear and dread, to render anxious and distressed. Right? So here's Jesus, again, expressing emotion, expressing feeling. Again, we can't pretend that we're superhuman, but guess what? God's given us humans, feelings and emotions. And again, Jesus was here. Now, this is not taken away from his divinity and who he was. Because he was still God. But he expressed emotions. Right? So, Hebrews 4 says this, right? He was all points tempted. He knows what we're going through. Why? Because he experienced those same feelings and emotions. Right? Again, who else is going to make him feel that way but somebody they care for? Even though he loved all people, he didn't have a close relationship with all people. Like he had with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Alright? So, let's keep going. And he said, where have you laid them? Wait, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, Jesus wept. So he wept. So that, that word wept actually means the same thing as if you go up a couple verses. I, I didn't read that, but where uh, Mary was actually weeping. That's the same weeping that Jesus was doing. He was crying, shedding tears. Verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? So basically, I, I wanted to read that to, to show us that Jesus expressed emotions. He was human as well. So we can't be emotionalists. We can't act like uh, nothing affects us. We can't act like I don't get anxious. Not that I know we all get angry. We all get angry. <laughs> Not that we, you know, but it's okay, right? But we, we keep pressing on. We keep going, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Apostle Paul. Alright. Sometimes religious people, they can be the strange ones. They can be the strange ones. You know, you ever been around somebody that's so religious, so structured in the word, rather? Because you got the hyper spiritual religion. But they got a sour look on their face. Right? But yet they could quote the Bible inside out. And they will go to church. Right? So it's not somebody that's out there in the world, and, but they should become so structured. Right? So those people will acknowledge God but and will acknowledge Jesus sometimes, but may not acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, when you have the, on the flip side, you have the hyper-spiritual people. They'll acknowledge Jesus. They'll acknowledge God. But everything is always the Holy Spirit. Everything is always the Holy Spirit. Right? The Word is our balance. The Holy Spirit has come to bring us in remembrance of the Word. If we don't have this Bible, the Word of God, because Jesus was the Word. 
right? From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. All about Jesus, right? His coming, His presence, and His second coming, right? It's all about Jesus. If we don't have this word, we won't be angry. So we, we have to have this word, we have to read it, we have to study it. And, and truth of the matter is, you know, and this goes back again to what I talked about last week about being honest. A lot of times, religious people, hyper-spiritual people, they won't be honest. And most of the time, they're hurt. They're really hurt inside. And everything is always somebody else's fault. It's never their fault. And they hide their hurt and pain. And we can't become so spiritual where we can't ask for prayer neither, right? So, true story, we were in church one time and we were leaders there and then there was a lady that approached my wife, she was a leader too, she said, well, how do you go for prayer? Because I'm a leader, I don't feel like, you know, I think everybody will look down on me if I go up for prayer, right? But that's the wrong thing to say, right? Because if we get to that, then we're no different than the religious leaders if we get to that point. Right? Because it's really pride. It's really pride. Because every one of us need prayer. None of us is in for that. I don't care. Bishop so-and-so, we all need prayer. Oh, I was going to say, sometimes we learn bad habits by some other people, too. Yeah, that's why we're going over this. <laughs> because we're going to see Jesus. We see Jesus as normal, right? And again, Paul was normal too. Amen. Amen. Alright. So, you know, and, and we can't get so revelatory on things. If we become so revelatory, what I mean by that is sometimes if you've been around a hyper spiritual person, they say something, but it doesn't make sense. To say that they'll sit there and it'll be a ooh, ah. And then they start talking something and you're like, what in the world? You probably won't say it to them, but you're saying it to your head, what are you talking about? Right? We we can't we can't be like that, right? Because what happened? They understood what Jesus said. Jesus spoke in parables, right? But he said why he spoke in parables, right? So those that really didn't want it would not understand it. But those that were part of the kingdom, we should understand it, right? So if we don't understand it, now we ask him for understanding. And he will give us understanding. Jesus spoke in parables, he really spoke about, most of the time, moral living. That's what he was speaking in parables about. So it's not something that, that we or anybody don't understand. Because if we start talking where, or we become too academic where they can't understand, how will they come to, to us? How will they hear us if we share Christ with them? They're not going to want to hear us. Because they're going to think we're crazy. So let's go to, all right, I'll read this, uh, let's turn to John chapter 7, and then we'll go ahead and dig into Paul, and then we'll go. John chapter 7, no, we're going to go to John chapter 7. <laughs> John chapter 7, beginning at verse 44. 
Now some of them wanted to take him, again, these are religious leaders, religious leaders, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is a curse. So basically, the officers recognized that there was something Jesus was saying. Which means it wasn't off. It had to make sense. So he was talking, really, sound off. Right? Same thing we got to talk. We, we can't be so high up or so low where we're trying to do it. But we got to stay in the Word. Just stay in the Word. That's all we got to do is get in the Word. Why? Because the Father draws the people in. So Amen. we give the word, it will connect with somebody's spirit. Amen. It will connect with somebody's spirit. For those that want it, it's no different than Jesus speaking in parables. Right? Those that don't want it, guess what? They won't, they won't understand the thing that we're saying. Right? But those that, that want it, those that hunger, those that uh, the Father touches their heart, and then draws them, they're going to hear it. Like I said, they may not get saved right then and there. They may not get saved right then and there. But now they begin to seek. Now they begin to ask questions. So even, you know, I talked about even in that warehouse job. They had people that were seeking, right? There was no argument, no disagreement. There were some people, they were part of, uh, you have uh, another religion, like 5% of religion. I would have conversations with them. There was no argument, nothing. They would listen to me. I stayed on a level playing field. I just gave the work. Right? They would come with some stuff, some off-the-wall stuff sometimes. But... Again, once I gave them the word, they still acknowledged it. And guess what? They will go back and look at them. Because they recognized Jesus was real. They knew that. Right? Even other religions, they recognize Jesus is real. And what separates Jesus from these false religions is he has emotions. He has feelings. He knows what we do. These other religions, there are other deities there. They have no emotions. Everything is strict, stringent, militant. In that aspect. Alright. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 says this. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So, same mind, no divisions. Now, I always attribute this to, you know, we shouldn't have all these different denominations and stuff like that, but the same thing could be for us as Christians. Right? With we should be have the same foundation, which is the Bible. Right? We're not speaking anything that's not in here. Second Timothy one and seven says this: For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That sound mind is a disciplined, self-controlled mind. So, if I'm off in La La Land and I'm trying to give revelatory words and all, that's not having a sound mind, right? If I've given you some that's not in the Bible, that's, that's not me having a sound mind. If I'm saying the Lord is saying this, 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 and this, but it's not backed up by the Word, that's not being disciplined. That's not having a sound mind. Alright, All right, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Some weird people. Right? He came across some possessed people. 
He came across people that were trying to kill him and stone him. He came across all types of people. Right? He like he followed Christ's example. He loved people. And we'll see what he what, what he talked about. Alright. First Corinthians chapter two, beginning at verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. So again, this matches up with what I talked about last week from second the letter um, in second Corinthians. Verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So in other words, I didn't give you anything, didn't tell you anything besides Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We're talking about anything else besides Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We're giving the wrong message to someone. Like right? Because Jesus says what? If He be lifted high. Right? If He be lifted up. So we have to lift Him up. That's what we should be talking about, Jesus, right? It's not about all these other things that people talk about, but Jesus does the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about him. Verse 3, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Wait a minute, that can't be right. Because Paul's saying he was in weakness, fear, trembling. That can't be right because we're saved, we're Holy Ghost filled. We're not supposed to be afraid, right? But wait a minute. So we already read how Jesus was anxious, right? Okay. So weakness. Weakness here in the Greek means sickness. So Paul saying, I was sick, right? But I was still with you. Still bringing the word. Still teaching the word, regardless of my physical ailment. And see, that could possibly be that thorn in the flesh. He was still there, ministering. He didn't let that stop him. What else? Fear. That word fear means just what it means, fear. Greek word is phobia. Fear. Alright, so what does trembling mean? Trembling means, here's the Greek word again, G5156, you can Google it. Means tromos. G5156, Greek word, troma. It means anxiety. Anxiety from someone who doesn't trust, I'm trying to read my handwriting again. <laughs> Anxiety from someone who doesn't trust in their own ability completely to meet all the requirements, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill his duty. See, so sometimes we can feel inadequate. Sometimes we can be afraid. So that ain't no different than me saying, hey, I get up here, I don't feel comfortable doing this, right? Somebody asked me to speak, whether here, at work, conference, whatever. I may not feel comfortable doing it. I may be anxious, but just like Paul. I may not be physically well, but just like Paul, we still got to press on. Right? So, we can't get in the habit of oh, wait a minute. We're never going to be afraid or things like that. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. It's okay. Right? But, in the midst of this, Paul kept going. See, and then we'll look at uh, 2 Corinthians when he talked, to, we just read it. In Timothy, where he said, Hey, God has not given us spirit. Well, he was talking to Timothy because when you read the letters, Timothy was about to give up. Because Timothy was facing opposition. So Timothy was about to go into the path of least resistance. Paul was still going to continue to walk and fight. So that's why Paul said to Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Because he was encouraging Timothy to continue on. Right? So sometimes we may need to encourage one another to continue on and not give up. Because 
you know, whether it's ministry or even just a Christian walk, there are plenty of people who are walking with Christ and they're giving up. And they're, they're, they're falling away from the Lord. And I'm, I'm ministers, pastors, are like that. So we got to be careful. And this is why I say we got to be careful in what we allow to come inside of us. Because they didn't just get that way overnight. <coughs> Unless it was just all a facade in the beginning. But if they were truly walking with the Lord, and they love the Lord initially, and then they fall away, what caused them to fall away? It didn't just happen overnight. Alright, so we'll get ready to close up here. So, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't read the last uh, verse 4. In my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit, of the Spirit and of power. So, you know, Paul, and we, we're going to get to this as we go through Acts, because it, it's in Acts chapter 18 when he comes across the Corinthian church. And he came across Aquila and Priscilla. And that's when he started being, well, he was already a tent maker, but he started working. Because, again, he didn't want to be a burden on the people, on the church. Amen. So we have to understand, like, when we come to real religious people, even hyper-spiritual people, you know what they are? They're philosophers. They're really philosophers without even acknowledging. We don't want to be philosophers. Right? What is a philosopher? I know we all heard that word, but here's the definition of philosopher. Thinker, speculator, hypothesizer, a seeker after truth. But whose truth are they seeking? Because even hyper-spiritual people, they'll say they get something from the Lord, but they never do any research to look it up. See, well, is this actually in the Word? See, so anything we do, even if something pops in my spirit and say, hey, I'm going I'm, to I'm I'm bring it before you. Oh, no, I'm researching. <laughs> I'm researching to make sure it's in the Scripture. Because that's sound doctrine. That's sound doctrine where I'm not just giving you my opinion. Unless I'm going to tell you it's my opinion. But I'm not going to say, hey, the Lord is saying this. And again, it doesn't line up with Scripture. So, we have to be ambassadors, right? We have to be ambassadors. Because what happens is, religious people, even the Pharisees, Sadducees back in the day, they're salesmen. They're really salesmen. They're trying to sell you on, really, themselves, not Christ. Right? Because the religious leaders, when Jesus walked, was walking on earth, in the natural, in the human flesh, they knew he was the Messiah. They knew he was the Messiah. Plenty of scriptures show that they recognized him as the Messiah. And that's what some of Jesus' parable. But they wanted to kill him, get him out of the way. Why? Because they were jealous. Ultimately, they were jealous of him. See, ambassadors, as ambassadors, we're doing what? Yes, we're in the world, we're not of the world. But we're representing the kingdom of God. Amen. We're representing Jesus, right? So now if we're off the wall and we're saying things that are not scriptural. We're not representing Jesus Christ. We have to stay on the word. And we have to stay preaching Jesus and him crucified. Amen. Amen. Alright. We'll, uh, we'll stop there. But, you know, we the reason why I wanted to go over this and, and show that Jesus is normal emotion because, again, as we start to talk about the healings, because we're going to talk about Jesus showing that he is Lord over every sickness and disease that there is. Right? And does he always heal? No, because some people die in faith. Some people die in faith now, right? He healed back when he walked. And there's a reason for that, and we'll get to that. I won't get that away yet, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs>
you become too content. <laughs> but, you know, God is good. You know, and again, we, we, we have to be ambassadors, and that's why I say it in everything we do, we should do it in excellence. Because that is being a representative of God. That's being a representative of Jesus. Amen. So we can't be off the wall and things like we, we just got to stay to the word. And again, preaching Jesus and him crucified. Because even with all these television evangelists, a lot of them are not preaching Jesus and him crucified. It's about, again, seven ways to build up your faith and things like that. You know, we got to stick to the word. We got to stick to sound doctrine. Amen? Amen. All right, let's bow our heads.